Find Acts, please. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, chapter 13. And I'm going to read from that in just a moment. This is a, um, this is a special day for us uh, in a number of ways. Uh, this afternoon at 5 in this room, we will celebrate the ordination of Amanda Clark Hines. She grew up through our ch children's ministry and student ministry, has been to seminary, is now an associate pastor, and we will celebrate her ordination. I certainly invite you back uh, for that. Jane Hall, it's great to see Jane. Jane and her husband served here from 2002 to 14. Is that right? And uh, he, was, he was pastor. David was back just a few weeks ago and preached for us. Uh, Jane, it's an honor to have you. She'll be preaching at um, the ordination service. It's an honor to have you. We also celebrated in the student ministry Jerry Miller Day. For 60 years of uh, teaching in the student ministry. So today, we, we, it's just a multi-generational uh, reminder of the impact uh, of our church over the years and that continues today. We've been talking about the church in the month of July. We began saying that God grew the church. We remembered that God added to their number daily those who were being saved, significantly, holistically, and eternally transformed. We remembered that God validated the church through signs and wonders, the miracles. We remembered that God united the church, that he blessed their fellowship, without which uh, they could not have fulfilled their mission. Today we celebrate, uh, remember uh, that God extended to the church, uh, and we commit ourselves to be part of that ongoing uh, extension. Acts 13 and we begin reading at verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping, this is the church at Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them off. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we have come to this place with um, some with great needs and some with heavy hearts. From deaths of people who've lived long lives this week to uh, the tragic loss of young life. Uh, our church, our community uh, suffers, hurts, and for each other we pray for your peace. We pray for um, insight as we try to be, to fulfill our place in your mission to the world, even when that means new endeavors. I ask that you would help me, as imperfect as I am, uh, to explain and illustrate your word well. In the name of the undisputed Lord of the church, we pray these things. Amen. So, how did uh, the simple Jesus movement that began with one solitary church in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago grow to be uh, the movement that now encompasses an estimated one-third uh, of the global population? It has a great deal to do with the second church in history, the church in Antioch. To this point, we've been talking about the first church, the church in Jerusalem. 
But the church in Antioch was started when members of the church in Jerusalem were forced by persecution to flee. Many of them fled to Syria, to Antioch, where they started a new kind of church, doing new kinds of things, and they reached new kinds of of people. They were born with a missionary spirit and they did not abandon that spirit. They were still young. When they prayed and sent and, and, and laid hands on and sent out their two best, Barnabas and Paul, beyond them uh, to the to walls far beyond their walls. The fact that we are a global faith today is due largely to the course of Christianity set by the second church in history the church in Antioch. And I'm inviting us today, reminding us of our both opportunity and responsibility to, to be part of that missionary movement, to emulate the church in Antioch, to be our own a 2022 version of that second church, the church in Antioch. But why? Why would we want to, to, to be so intentional uh, regarding this this missionary movement. Well, let me give you four quick, uh, four quick reasons. Number one, it's not likely that, that someone who does not know Jesus is going to wake up on a Sunday morning and out of the blue decide, I think I'll go to church today and while I'm there, I think I'll follow Jesus. It's not likely that anybody who is not a follower of Jesus will wake up on any Sunday morning and just out of the blue say, today I'm going to go to church and I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. And so based on that unlikelihood, we have to build bridges to people. Uh, second, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.12 that those who are without Christ are, and I'm quoting now, without hope and without God in the world. Now, I'm, I've never been in charge of deciding who's in and who's out of God's family. However, I believe that Jesus matters and that he matters eternally. And if, in fact, those who are without him are without hope and without God in the world, then we have a responsibility uh, to engage them. So people are not, probably not going to wake up and decide I'm going to come to church and follow Jesus. If people are without hope and without Jesus or without hope and without God in the world, we have a responsibility uh, to them. Furthermore, the mission of the church is a holistic, a beautiful mission to the whole person. We are not s concerned only about one's soul and one's eternal destiny. Jesus was concerned about the whole person, and I hope we are too, which means we are at our best when we're doing things like advocating for the fair treatment of everybody, when we're helping people find jobs, when we're making sure that are doing our part in helping people to know where their next meal is coming from, when we're visiting the sick and the lonely, when we are loving and serving our community, we are at our best. The church, like nobody else, has a, a holistic mission to the mind, soul, and body. So people are probably not going to wake up and just decide out of the blue to come to church and People without Jesus, without hope, and without God in the world. And, and our mission is beautifully holistic. And this is the one I love, at least for today, most. And that is that, that outreach is good for our fellowship. Last week, we talked about God uniting the church. And I said, it's been a hard 28 months since March of 2020. I said that uh, churches have not been immune to the rancor and the division that have so rocked our society. I said for a number of reasons it's been a hard 28 months. And I said it's time to shake hands and hug necks and forgive and move on. And a lot of people were, were nodding. It's, it is. And I have a great solution to any fellowship problem. And that is mission or outreach beyond us. 
Bill Wilson is a friend of mine. Many of you know uh, Bill. Uh, he's a church consultant, not the one who started AA, but the church consultant. And he, um, he was working with a church once, and they were talking about vision and mission and how important that was to fellowship. And one of the men in the church raised his hand and said, Preacher, I think I know what you're talking about. It's like my hound dogs. When I keep them all pinned up, they gnaw on each other's ears something terrible. But when I let them out to hunt and they catch the scent of the deer, they leave one another alone. That, he said, I think is the problem with our church. We haven't caught the scent of what we're supposed to be doing. If we are inwardly turned, we'll gnaw on each other's ears something fierce. A great answer to fellowship, to good fellowship, is looking beyond our walls uh, together. So, the spirit of Antioch, that missionary spirit is important for us. We, because people are not going to just probably get up and come to church and people without Jesus, without hope, without God in the world. And We have a beautiful holistic mission and it's good for our fellowship. So, how? If we buy into the why, what is the, how do we do this? Well, we must be strategically and prayerfully creative. Our hearts have been broken by the invasion of and the war on Ukraine by Russia. A number of Russians themselves have been upset by, by the war. On March 14, just a few weeks ago, months ago, there was a broadcast going on, a news station was just a typical broadcast. One of the editors, one of the, one of the executives of that newscast stepped out from be, for in, behind the broadcaster. So the, the, the person here is, is giving the news. She stepped behind the broadcaster and held up a poster that read, No war, in English, no war. In Russian, it read, don't believe the propaganda. They're lying to you here. Russians, then in English at the bottom, it said, Russians against war. That lady was promptly arrested and sent to prison. But it reminded me of a story from 2004 in Ukraine. Viktor Yushchenko, remember that name? He was running for president, 2004. The president was was a puppet of Russia. He was a, a communist, he, the, the, the communist president of Russia, but there were elections. Viktor Yushchenko ran against the communist president. You remember he was uh, disfigured by a, a toxin, Viktor Yushchenko, 2004. On November the 25th, 2004, exit polls showed that Viktor Yushchenko was going to win easily. But by that evening, when the state-controlled, government-owned, communist-controlled news stations broadcast the results of the elections, the story they told was that Yushchenko had lost and that the communist president would retain power. But there was a woman in the news station again. Her name was Dimitrik. Her last name was Dimitrik, 48 years old, Dimit Mrs. Dimitrik, who was the signer, the deaf signer for the newscast. 
You've seen newscasts and other, other broadcasts where there's a little square at the bottom of the, of the screen where they're signing for people who cannot hear or who cannot hear well. Well, she was in the news area, the department. She knew that Yushchenko had won. She also knew that they had been told to broadcast that he had lost. And so the newscaster, following orders, was reading the news that said the communist president had won and would retain power. But this lady, this signer, knew that wasn't true, and this is what she signed. Don't believe what the authorities say. They are lying, and I'm ashamed to, to translate these lies. Yushchenko is our president. Well, the people in the news department couldn't read sign language, and they didn't know what she was signing. They thought she was just signing the propaganda. But people watching on their televisions knew. Deaf people began to tell each other and to hear their hearing friends. Soon the streets of Kiev were filled with protesters. Eventually, Yushchenko was declared president. Philip Yancey compared Mrs. Dimitrik in that little bitty corner of the screen to the church. You see, we used to have the big screen. In days gone by, churches had the megaphone. We had the platform. We had the influence. Governmental leaders wanted to know, what does the church think? Cultural trends depended largely on the church. Not anymore. We have been relegated to the little corner of the screen. The big screen now belongs to Oprah, to 24-hour news channels, to social media. We, have, we don't have much influence anymore. We're over here in the corner. And so we have to be creative. We have to figure out strategic prayerful, creative means of engaging a world that is changing so, so rapidly. How do we do that? Well, I have some ideas. First, fresh expressions of church. Many of you know about that. These small, simple forms of church for people highly unlikely to come to this church or any other. Formed on networks, relationships, microcultures. So we have dinner church at Butler Terrace, which also bleeds over into the homeless camps across Clinton. Heartfelt Expressions meets on Saturday afternoons in room 316, Studio 316 at Low Mill, among Church Among the Arts community. Bright Star meets here in this building on Thursday afternoons, excuse me, Thursday evenings for people who are in recovery and people who love people in recovery. Together Church at Mary Mac is for families who have among them family members with special needs. They, we did two worship services in the summer, take a quick break, start up again in the fall. You know of those, I'd encourage you to plug into those, and I would encourage you, are you part of a network of people, whether it's your vocation or your hobbies? And you might say, Travis, I, I have an interest would you help me think about how this might, how I might start something? And I would love nothing more. So the first thing is what we're already doing, and that's fresh expressions of church. But I, I, there are three new initiatives uh, that I want to roll out uh, this morning.
first has to do with placing people in apartments around Huntsville. We've actually been having this conversation for several years. What if we were to place people in apartments who engage their neighbors socially, who become good friends and help people out and, and host Bible studies and have faith conversations and invite them to church? We've been talking about that for years. We just never have done anything. Six weeks ago, I got a call out of the blue from a, a mission agency I never had heard of called Apartment Life. And they said, we are a, a mission agency that has a vision of placing people in apartments to become good friends, help people out, have faith conversations, and invite them to church. They're in 1.3 million apartments across America. I had never heard of them. We were going to fly by the seat of our holy britches, but we don't have to now. <laughs> they know how to train people, how to recruit people, how to place people. They talk with the managers. They, they add value. They get the, the apartments for free because they add value. Retention rate goes up. So we're talking about some of you, single persons, couples, families who have a missionary calling to live in one of these apartments, most of which are within walking distance of 600 Governors Drive. We've been talking about it for years. That call six weeks ago, John Lemons and I have been Zooming with a, a representative in Atlanta. Missions Committee is going to talk about it in August. I think it's going to happen. Would one of you be uh, one of those representatives in one of those beautiful apartments in downtown Huntsville. The second thing, it's time for us to talk about supporting a missionary or missionaries directly. Now let me be real clear. We have a relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention which has the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board. We have a, re a relationship with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship which supports uh, missionaries I'm not talking about severing those relationships or changing those relationships. Let me remind you, when you give to this church, 12% goes to what you designate, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, Southern Baptist Convention, or the FMB First, no, FBC First Baptist Church Mission Fund. That mission fund is so substantial due to your generous gifts, we have the capacity to support a missionary or missionaries. Maybe we start with part-time, local, even international. It's a lot of great churches partner with their denominational partners and support missionaries directly. It's time for us to have that conversation again. We had that conversation as, as a missions committee three years ago, COVID hit. We're gonna resurrect that conversation. What if we were to, to, send, to send missionaries directly? So um, we're talking about apartments, we're talking about missionaries. And, and now I wanna look straight at this camera right here and talk to those who are watching from home or hospital or wherever you are. And I know there's a, there are a lot more of you all than there are in this room. Uh, today on, on TV Church, which aired at 10, and, and right here and now, uh, we're inviting you to, be, to form some home groups around this broadcast, which means that on Sunday mornings, you would invite people you like, 
Invite them to your home. Tell them to bring snacks. Tell them to bring elements for a meal. Get together and watch together. We will send you discussion questions by Thursday that you can talk about. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a minister. If you're willing to have people in your home, you can watch it live, you can record it and watch it later, you can watch it from our website, fbchsv.org, anytime. We're inviting and we're kind of giving up control. You don't have to be associated with First Baptist. We're not going to control you or micromanage you. We're simply giving this away and encouraging you to see what, what God might do if you would simply start a group gathering either Sunday morning or during the week. We provide the content. We provide the discussion questions. You provide the hospitality and the facilitation. I, I think the possibilities are, are tremendous. So apartments, missionaries, and home groups, and of course our ongoing fresh expressions of church. It's a new world. And I want to tell you that one of my favorite stories about the entertainment business. It's the story of Netflix and Blockbuster. How many of you, raise your hands, if you have ever gone to Blockbuster to rent a movie? Raise your hands. Good. Some of you don't know what Blockbuster is. And therein lies my point. Blockbuster in the 1980s and 90s was blowing and going. All of us would go, you know, Friday afternoon on the way home, grab a movie and watch it. And then forget to take it back and pay the late fees, right? That's how Blockbuster made their money was the late fees. They were blowing and going. At the same time, in the 90s, there were these three young entrepreneurs who had a vision for home entertainment. They started by mailing DVDs to your homes. How many of you ever got Netflix DVDs mailed to your home? A, a few, a smaller number. They also had a vision of streaming home entertainment over the internet. But the speed of the internet was so slow then, they were having a hard time doing that. And they were, in the year 2000, they were strapped for money. So these three young entrepreneurs finally got a meeting with Blockbuster. Now these Netflix offices were simple. They had a folding table, just moderate surroundings. They went to Blockbuster's office in Dallas. It overlooked downtown plush offices, the conference room filled with this very expensive table. Uh, one of the co-founders of Netflix said that the CEO of Blockbusters came in with shoes on that cost more than his car. Blockbuster was blowing and going. These three guys from Netflix said, you know, we have, we have an idea. And we think if we were to partner with you or if you could buy into this, we think something special could happen. And, happen. and they, they offered to sell Netflix to Blockbuster for $50 million. 
just a little bit of what Blockbuster had in the bank. The CEO of Blockbuster nearly laughed out loud and said, no, thank you. That was 2000. In 2010, Netflix was so big it went international, and in 2010, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy. The guy at Blockbuster said the Internet's never going to amount to anything, and business on the Internet never will be profitable. But Netflix had a vision. There are two lessons for the church from that story. Number one, we live in a rapidly changing world. And if we don't, if we aren't strategically creative, we'll get left behind. Even Netflix is struggling now, as the, the big, the, kind of the cool guys are struggling. We will get left behind. The second thing is we must know our mission. Blockbuster thought its mission was to rent movies and collect late fees. Netflix understood that the mission is to provide home entertainment. How, whatever the delivery system, it didn't matter. Our mission is not to attract people to this building as much as I want to do that. Our mission is beyond our walls, beyond, our, beyond these relationships. <clears throat> I think this is an exciting day when we can, we can see God grow the church, add to us those who are being significantly, holistically, eternally transformed. When we can see God validate our church doing ways, the things that we cannot do. When we can we can see our fellowship strengthened because of our mission. And when we can, we really can extend the church with a capital C uh, beyond our walls, uh, beyond even our imaginations. And I, I think it's time.